You may be here, and it's your first time that you've ever been in church. It may be the first time in a, in a long time, and you come into a place, and there are the, all these perfect people that are sitting around this room. You look on the side over here, and you see Faye Paquette that just seems to be so muscular and have it all together, and you think, my goodness, I must be in the wrong place. Or you look over, and you see Amy Betzer, and she just seems to have the right look. She's got the right hairdo. She's got the right clothes on, and you go, she just looks so perfect. Can I tell you this, guys? Let me let you in on a secret. This is the secret. <laughs> I could have picked some better examples, couldn't I? No, no. <laughs> this is the secret. There are people in this room that are dealing with issues just like you are. They're dealing with the same temptations. They're dealing with the same fears. They're dealing with the same insecurities. And so I just want to put your fears at rest to say you've come to the right place today. Because I don't know of any of us in this room that have it all together. With that, and, with that sort of being said, we're, just, we're glad that you're here. And I, I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart today. You know, as I go back in my life, there are, there are a lot of things that I'd love to sit down and talk to you about. There, there's a lot of things in my life that I've been able to be a part of that, man, I just love to sit down and talk about those stories. Larry, you got some stories like that, don't you? I mean, if you sit down long enough with Larry, you'll hear stories about his, his past, Kay shaking her head. Uh, if you sit down with Larry Pierce, there's some stories he'll tell you about fires that he's been on as a fireman, decisions he's been a part of that he's just, man, it was just a special time. And we want to talk about those parts of our lives. If you spend some time with Cliff, he'll tell you some unbelievable stories of things that he's been able to be a part of. Larry about home runs or, or you know, that, that last out of the ball game or, or whatever it may be. And we all have those stories in life, but this is what I know about you, if, because I know me, is there a part of our lives that we just wouldn't, we'd wish nobody would ever knew anything about. There's seasons in our life that we wish that we could just sort of pass over. There are decisions that have been made that we go, I hope nobody ever finds out, and we want to keep that part hidden. Anybody with me? We on the same line? We're going to talk about something today that's, that I think in this series of covenant relationships that I, I think is so important. And I pray that I stick with my notes, and I may not stick with my notes because there's so much within me on this, because I don't have a perfect story. My story is filled with all kinds of mistakes. Um, and as I go back, and I look, we spend so much time on what happens after I say I do. You know, Tom and Sandy spend a lot of their life, God's called them out at this stage in life to spend time with couples that are struggling. And listen, guys, if you're not struggling, it's coming. If you're not dealing with a, an issue in your marriage, it's coming because it's going to be there. That's just the way it is. And don't say because you're a Christian that you're not going to have struggles. That's a life in the pits of hell. There's two, two different people inside of a house, and you're going to have struggles. And Tom and Sandy said, listen, we want to give our lives to walk with couples that are dealing with issues in their life because we've been there. We face those struggles. But we don't spend an awful lot of time before I say I do. Are you with me? We don't spend an awful lot of time talking about what happens prior to that marriage, that wedding that takes place and a man and a woman stands in front of each other and they say, I do. And so 
I want to sort of open up a can of worms today, and I want to talk about it. And some of you are going, well, this really doesn't apply to me because I've already said I do, and it's going in past. Let me tell you what. What we're going to talk about applies to every one of us here today. I don't care who you are or what stage in life that you may be in. We're going to look at some pretty racy passages today that you're going to go, I can't believe that's in the Bible. But it's in there. Because what God created wasn't something that was, that was wrong. What God created between a man and a woman is something that was right. And inside the bonds of marriage, it's not only right, it's awesome. But I want to step out on some, I want to step out of the boundaries today and, 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 and I want to look at some things before I say I do. And teenagers, listen, man, I'm glad that you're here today. And parents, if you're, you've got children that are in that, it's, this is all over you. If you're, if you're not married and you're single, Today, this is so applicable for you. If you've been divorced and you're, you're, this is so applicable to where you are. If you're a widow, this is so applicable to where you are today. If you're a believer, you're, this is applicable for where you are today. You're going to take something, I think, today from what we're going to talk about that is not only applicable for you, but God has placed you in an environment where you're with people that this is going to be applicable for. So with that said, I want to sort of review very briefly what we've talked about to this point. Last week we talked about the covenant of marriage and, and, and what we said this series entails is this, is that um, relationships at all levels are struggling. Would you agree with me? I mean, don't everybody have struggles with relationships at some point in time? And the truth is, is that our relationships with one another at all levels of struggling and the reason they struggle is that we desire we end up doing things the way that we desire instead of the way that God desires that's just the way it is and last week when we talked about covenant marriage what we said was we tried to paint a picture and we talked about the difference between a contract and a covenant and what we said was was that a contract was a relationship where um, the expectation is risen. What we're, what we're expecting, what we desire, the benefits is, is what we want to hold on to. And yet we want to limit the responsibilities. We want the benefits of being married, but we don't necessarily want the responsibilities of being married. We want what comes, we want the expectations, but we don't necessarily want to put anything to it. And just the opposite of a covenant relationship, we said that a covenant relationship is willing to give up rights, yet assume responsibilities. And then we talked about some, we painted a picture of what that looked like inside the covenant relationship. What are some things that, we're, that we give up when we say I do? What are, some, what are some responsibilities that we assume when we say I do? But today we're not going to necessarily focus on what happens after. We're going to back it up and ask what happens before. I saw this and I thought, I've got to show this. 1960s, there was a lot of transitions that were taking place in the lives of people. And there was a 16-millimeter film, and some of you may have saw this, that was designed and sent into the public schools to help us learn how to communicate and how to handle relationships. Watch this video really quickly. Now you're going to laugh, but watch it and see what they showed us. Not like just going around with the crowd. 
Just me and the girl. Well, that's all right. Only, what girl? Who? How do you choose a date? <laughs> Whose company would you enjoy? Well, one thing you can consider is looks. Woody thought of Janice and how good-looking she was. He'd really have to rate to date somebody like her. Yes, he'd enjoy that. Except, well, it's too bad Janice always acts so superior and bored. She'd make a fellow feel awkward and inferior. Well, perhaps someone who doesn't feel superior. There's Betty. And yet, it just doesn't seem as if she'd be much fun. What about Anne? She knows how to have a good time, and how to make the fellow with her relax, have fun too. Yes, that's what a boy likes. He wants to know he's appreciated. Anne would be fun on a date. So Woody decided he'd ask Anne for this first date. But just how should he ask her? How do you ask for a date? Fine, Anne. Well, uh... How about a date? By her... Well, I mean... Oh, really? No, thanks, Woody. Hmm. Well, suppose he did it this way. Hi, Ann. What you doing Saturday night? Well, I... I guess I'm busy. Oh, yeah? And he can't be giving him the brush off for me? Well, of all the nerve! Well, is there another way? Ann? This is Woody. Well, I have a ticket for the high team carnival Saturday, and well, would you like to go? Why, yes, Woody. I'll have to talk to my folks about it, but I think I can go. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, shall I pick you up about 8 o'clock? That's fine, Woody. 8 o'clock Saturday. I think it'll be all right, but I'll let you know for sure. Bye. saying goodnight again. One more way. Well, it's getting late. Yes, it is. 
I'd ask you, Mr. Bartley, if it works for me. Let's try to get home in time for a sandwich or something next time. Say, that sounds good. I'll call you next week. Will you? Well, thanks so much. I had loads of fun. So did I. Good night, Robbie. Night, Anne. how things have changed, right? <laughs> that was an actual video. Did anybody ever see that in school? That was an actual one that they would show in school when we were growing up to help you sort of navigate through the relationships. It's corny now. The kids are like going, I can't believe that. That's ridiculous. Let me tell you what. Paul said this. He said, do not, do not copy the behavior and customs of the world because when, you be because when you copy the behavior and customs of the world, guess what kind of results you get? You get the world's results. Things have changed drastically since 1950. 1950s, there was, there was a lot of changes that began to take place because as I've interviewed and as I've read and as I've looked, you know, it's amazing because families and individuals, pa uh, families used to be a whole lot more involved in the relationships that their children have. Now, I, I know that some of you aren't just at that stage, but I've had an opportunity to speak to some people that are in their 90s that said this. They said, listen, I want you to understand this. We didn't spend any time with anybody unless our parents and our family approved of who we were spending time with. I see some of the ones with gray hair going, you got that right. <laughs> there have been so many transitions that has taken place. Mike, we're not talking about you. Mike's like going, <laughs> yeah. There's so much, so much transition that's taken place in our communities. Communities used to be much more smaller. They used to be much more compact. You used to know the people that, that, your, that your kids hung out with because they all went to school together in the same school. You knew their families, you knew their grandfamilies, you knew the stories behind the stories. That's just the way it was. Families were whole. Churches were a center part of what took place within the communities. Families, church families were a whole lot more involved in the process of courtship. That's the truth. But today, what we've done is we've basically opened up the door for our kids to have to navigate waters that they're completely unable to navigate on their own. Are you with me? And you know that because you know the exact same waters that you had to navigate. Because there were waters that I hadn't to navigate, and I wasn't mature, nor was I ready to navigate those waters and be safe. And as a result, I look back on my life, and I see lots of mistakes that were made. Lots of parts of, and stories that I, I really would rather not share with you. Because I wasn't ready. I mean, you take some girl now and all of a sudden some guy looks at her and tells her she's beautiful and you forget everything that, that you've tried to talk to her in reference to character or, re or reference to work ethic, a, a young man marrying her one day to be able to provide for her and her family or even more importantly her relationship with the Lord, their relationship with the Lord and all of a sudden all this stuff that you've talked about that she said at one point was important and the only thing that she can say is, Daddy, he loves me and I want to get married. 
I think we need to go back and hold on to a couple of positions that, that used to be held on within the families, and that to be of a scout and a gatekeeper. Then listen, as a parent and as a family, I'm constantly on the lookout for that person that one may, Monday may want to marry or be involved in a relationship with my child, or that of a gatekeeper, that I'm, I'm standing right there. And, and, the, and the conditions of a young man or a young woman spending time with my child is based on them proving themselves. A scout and a gatekeeper. Matter of fact, I found this and I've used this before and I, I thought I'd share it with you again. Dad, you're welcome. Uh, uh, I'll just make sure I get you a copy. But I think we all need to hold on to this. Uh, I'd like to court your daughter application. You ever seen that before? This is the application. It says this. Please be prepared to submit additional information, uh, psychological profile, DNA uh, sample submission to polygraph exam upon admission of this, uh, this application. I want your name, I want your height, I want your weight, I want your IQ and your GPA. I want your social security number, your driver's license, the state, and your number, your address, your city. I want your Boy Scout rank, how fast you can run, two miles, 40, uh, 40 yards. I want to know what church you attend, how often do you attend, how regular do you attend. Do you ever go down to the altar when an invitation is given? In 50 words or less, explain what don't touch my daughter means to you. <laughs> In 50 words or less, explain what the word late means to you. Complete the following sentences. If I were to be shot, the last place I'd want to be shot is... If I were to be beaten, what is the last bone that I would want to be broken? The last thing I hope this application does not ask me is... The unfortunate, in the unfortunate event of my untimely death, I would like for my ashes to be scattered. My greatest fear is this... What do you want to be when you grow up? Have you ever been fingerprinted? Do you have any identifying marks, birthmarks, scars, tattoos? If yes, please explain. My dentist's name is, I hereby swear that all the information supplied above is true and correct to the best of my knowledge under penalty of death and or dismemberment. <laughs> Signed. At the bottom, P.S. By the way, thank you for your interest. We'd like to allow you to know that it will take four to six years to process this application. <laughs> You will be contacted in writing if you are approved. Please do not call, write, or email any attempts or contact during this processing of this application could be hazardous to your health and or cause may, may, may cause serious personal injury. I think I'm going to uh, apply that to our family, Abby, so we'll, we'll get that application. I had one friend that had three daughters, and Frank used to tell him, Frank's now going on to be with the Lord. But I got in the longest laughing conversation one time. I said, Frank, I said, your daughters don't seem to be dating that much. I mean, they don't seem to hang out with guys. He said, no, they make it one trip here. And he said, then they don't want to come back. I said, why? He says, well, usually I want them to come to my house. And when they come to my house, I usually bring out the biggest knives that I have, and I lay them out on the table. And while they're telling me their story, I stand up there, and I sharpen those knives, and I just sort of look at them. <laughs> <clears throat> Frank had a way of running the guys off. But today what we're going to do is I want to look at a passage of Scripture. I'm going to tell you up front, it's a little bit spicy, but it's in God's Word. And so I want you to turn to this passage of Scripture today, and we're going to look at it. And let's talk about what it looks like prior to saying I do. I'm shooting for something today, guys. And it's not just something I, I want you to, 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 to write down. It's something that I want it, man, I want it to stick down in your heart. 
I want it to stick into your heart. And so I want you to turn to the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. It's found, um, if, probably the easiest way for you to find it is if you have a Bible, uh, turn to the book of Psalms, which is in the, in, the, uh, in the middle of the Bible. Then go over to Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then right after that you'll find Song of Songs. But we're going to talk about what it means, what, what happens before I say I do. In this passage of scripture, what we're going to look at, you're going to see a young girl that wants, to, wants everybody to know she's wanting to show her affection towards a young man. They say it's between King Solomon and one of his young lovers early on in his life. But this is where we pick up the story in Song of, Solomon, uh, in Song of Songs in, in chapter 8, verse 6. And this is what it says there in verse 6. And read with me. It says, Place me like a seal over your heart. Place me like a seal over your heart. And I want you to underline that word seal. Because a seal was like a signet ring. If you know what a signet ring was, it's like a modern day promise ring. Um, and what it was in the Hebrews, they would wear that ring on a string so that it would land across their heart. A couple of years ago, Meredith took Abby to a, uh, to a girls' conference where they, where they handed out and where you had an opportunity to buy a promise ring. It was something that says, I'm, I'm, I'm holding myself to marriage. It was a, it was a conference to challenge uh, teenagers, young girls, to save themselves. Young girls specifically uh, was that conference to save themselves for marriage. And, and so Meredith brought back a, uh, Abby brought back a, a a necklace that had a ring on it. It was a symbol, of, a symbol of saying, I want to remain pure. I want to hold on to my purity until marriage. Um, and what this girl was saying with this, it was a sign of commitment. What she was saying with this was saying, I want to be faithful. I want to be committed to my spouse before I even say I do. Are you with me? It's like a covenant commitment prior to a covenant. We've asked, uh, we've talked about it, what is a covenant? A covenant is a solemn promise between two people, a solemn binding agreement. We've said that you just don't make a covenant, but you cut a covenant. It means to cut to the point of shedding of blood. It is a serious commitment. If you remember what we said, the Jews, the Hebrews, they would take and they would cut up an animal and, and in the midst of a covenant, a covenant time, they would make you walk among those pieces of cut up flesh to make that covenant, to sign that covenant, to, to, uh, to, to start that covenant. And what they were saying is this. There would usually be some type of an oath or a conversation that would take place that would be something like this. May what happened to this animal happen to me if I break this covenant. That's pretty doggone serious, don't you think? That's a pretty serious commitment. But what an awesome thought to say that, look, at this stage in my life, I'm setting aside my selfish desires for you. To know that prior to marriage, what would it be to know that you had a spouse that was living in preparation for that day that you would one day say, I do. Today, we don't hide sexual promiscuity. As a matter of fact, we'll say things like, well, you know, why don't we just hang out together? Why don't we just do this, why don't we just do this, this, uh, this live-in deal? Why don't we hang out and why don't we just see how things go? Why don't we just move in and play house? You know, it's really not that big a deal because everybody else is doing it anyway. And if it doesn't work out, not, not a problem. 
because we can just go our separate way. So why don't we just put it on a trial basis? No hard feelings. And see, this isn't just a teen problem. This is an adult problem. We live on the, we live on the edge of the villages. And guys, listen, this isn't just a teen issue. This is a, an adult issue as well. Sexual promiscuity is an issue. It's always been an issue and will be an issue. But it's not part of God's plan. And for some reason, culture has accepted it. And society has accepted it, but it's not part of God's plan. And because it's not God's plan, guess what? It erodes our relationship with God as well as hinders our relationship with one another. Look at what it goes on to say. It says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. What does it say love is as strong as? Death. It's as strong as death. And what they were saying is that I am willing to make a commitment to you till death do part. Does that sound familiar inside of a marriage relationship? Till death do part. My love is as strong for you as death, till death do part. These are marriage vows before a marriage. And here's what they're saying, that even though we aren't married, I will be faithful to you alone as long as we both shall live. Even though I don't know who you are. That's not culture, guys. That's not culture. Can you imagine somebody making that type of decision prior to marriage? Can you imagine the type of impact that type of a decision before I say I do would have on this side of saying I do? Have you ever met anybody that said, I'm not going in that direction. I'm not going to live like the world says live. I'm not going to go along with what culture says is right. But what I'm going to do is at this stage in my life, regardless of where I am, I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to stand and I'm going to obey God's Word and I want to give my life to Him because I understand that there's so much is at stake at this time in my life. See, I wish I'd have had somebody tell me that when I was young. I went to church all my life. I wish I'd have had a guy like Bart that would have walked up to me and said, man, let me just let me talk to you. Because we didn't talk about those things growing up. That wasn't just part of a conversation. Especially in church. Talk about sex in church? I don't think so. They just told us all the stuff that we weren't supposed to do. Not the things that we were supposed to do. The things that we weren't supposed to do. But can you imagine a couple that would be willing to make a t that type of decision prior to to marriage. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Tyler, come here for a second. This is off the cuff. Appreciate you appreciate it? <laughs> you always wanted to be on stage, baby. Man, there was a decision that you made prior to marriage. And what was that decision? Um, well, me and, me and Kaylee met, as y'all know, my wife, um, um, it, hello. um, when Kaylee and I met, um, it was about, uh, three and a half, four years ago, um, back in 2009, and, uh, you know, we, we both, she had been in a relationship, you know, through high school and, you know, just a, I call it a silly little relationship that, you know, you grow up having, didn't really have no purpose, but, um, 
Yeah. Me growing up, you know, I always had a bunch of friends and had girlfriends and boyfriends. I never really got involved in, you know, I mean, I was friends with girls, but just kind of um, never really pursued a relationship. And, and I heard a pastor say um, about my senior year, he was explaining about uh, sexual purity and uh, preparing yourself for marriage. And, you know, I'd never really been in a relationship before, so I, I just had a strong desire to one day meet a you know, meet my spouse and get married, and I really just, I didn't want to wait around, I wanted to, you know, find that woman, and, and uh, you know, just wanted to make that commitment, and uh, so, to make a long story short, Kaylee and I, when we both met, um, we made a, made a commitment that we weren't going to uh, kiss before marriage. Excuse me, say that one more time. Uh, we weren't going to kiss before marriage. And um, out yeah, of the I, I was kind of nervous telling her this because I was like, she's probably going to think I'm some freak or there's some catch to this. Like, you know, somebody's watching in the back corner. But, um, you know, I've seen so many people be, get burned before uh, they get married. They, they bring a lot of baggage. And, and uh, I just, I seriously, I mean, I was kind of OCD about it, but I just wanted, I was like, whatever I have to do, Lord, to find, find my spouse. And you just direct me to who's the one to marry. I will do it. I'm just so tired of waiting. And, you know, I met several people uh, along the way, but um, I was just very, very blunt with her when I first, I mean, this, my brother <laughs> kind of laughs at it. But when I first, the second time I met her, I told her, I said, Kaylee, you know, I know this is kind of weird. It was our second time ever really talking, but, um, you know, I have intentions of, uh, marrying someone one day. Um, I'm not here just to be a close friend for the next couple of years. I have intentions of eventually getting married to the one I'm, I feel I'm called to be with. And uh, so I kind of gave her that heads up. So, um, but, through, but you know, like, I'm not just here to be your best friend for the next 10 years and that's it. You're looking for a wife. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, that sounds kind of unlike nowadays, but I just, I wanted to do everything, that, everything possible, and uh, I heard heard about courtship, and I'm like, courtship, what is that, like something in the you know, Stone Age or something? <laughs> like, you know, who does that? What is that? And uh, I had a pastor uh, show me a book, and I really don't read a lot of books, uh, a book called Her Hand in Marriage, and uh, it was it was talking about what biblical courtship looks like, and that, that uh, your, your wife, or not your wife, well, Trying to explain this. The girl that you're pursuing, that is someone else's daughter. And you're called to keep her pure until he gives her hand over to you. And she's not yours. You can't, you don't take ownership of, of her until biblically the father has given her hand over. And that sounds like, you know, a lot of people are like, he's probably talking out of, you know, he's just. You know, talking out of his head, but it is the truth, and a lot of us don't believe it. We think we hear the things of this world that tell us, you know, if you don't kiss right, you're probably not the right one, you know. And you know, the cool thing was, me and Kaylee figured that out after marriage, you know, that it wasn't all physical, it was about, you know, uh, growing in, in grace and, and protecting ourselves before marriage. And, and uh, I'm not like some. 
and bow down to whatever I've done, but I just think that uh, it was something really cool. God had had enough grace in our life to sustain us from falling into that. What were some boundaries that you guys set? Because the decision that you guys made prior to marriage is huge. It totally went against culture, and you probably had friends that said, you're crazy. Um, what were some of the boundaries that you guys set up in your life to help you, to help see you through that time prior to marriage? Well, um, I get it from the verse uh, 2 Timothy 2.22. It talks about uh, basically to sustain from any um, youthful lust, um, anything, like even if you have to be extreme. Um, so what we would do, we, we talked about beforehand, we didn't even want to spend time in prayer together because to me that's a little bit too intimate until you get married. Um, it can become, it sounds very spiritual and great, but um, you know, we just said, you know, if we are going to pray together, we're going to do it in public, maybe at, uh, at the college ministry or something, but we didn't want to be alone in a house together spending time in prayer because we just thought, you know, that that was just too intimate until the day that we get married. But we would try to, we would, we've had probably two times we actually spent time alone together, but we would set up beforehand to have friends over so we weren't just in a room till two in the morning just hanging out and you know, doing foolish things. So, um, you know, we would just prepare beforehand. Think of everything that we possibly either could fall in um, or other people have fallen in and uh, just try to, we didn't have like a list on the wall, like, you know, you can't sit in the kitchen for 30 minutes tonight. You know, we would really plot it out, but we'd and you and you and you and Kaylee are taking personal reservations to come to adult parents' house and give this speech in, in private, right? <laughs> yes. Man, thanks for sharing that because I know it's totally opposite from what culture says. And I wanted to highlight this because I knew the story and I knew a commitment that Kaylee had made when she was probably in seventh or eighth grade with a bunch of girls when they got together and were given a rose. And um, and so hey man, thank you. Congratulations. So how do you live in a way that says, I'm going to keep myself for my future spouse and I'm going to prepare for that day? See, because mature love is patient and it's kind and it's, and it's not jealous and it's not boastful and it's not proud and it's not rude. And listen, it doesn't demand on its own way. It's not selfish. See, the pressure today isn't towards abstinence, but it's towards availability. The pressure today isn't, isn't towards purity, but it's toward promiscuity. That's just the way it is. But God's Word says that if we want to be mature in love, that it's patient and it isn't selfish. And so what is it, what, what happens when we choose not to be faithful? What happens when we choose to step outside the bounds? I want you to go on down to verse 8 and let's see what happens as an illustration because she's going to, there's a decision that's going to have to be made. And she says, and it says here in verse 8, we have a little sister talking about brothers. We have a little sister too young to have breast. In other words, she's, an, she's young. She's before puberty, uh, prior to puberty. She's not developed yet. And they said, what will we do? And this is really important. What will we do for our sister if someone asks to marry her? In other words, how are we going to be involved in her life to prepare her for that time? What are we going to do so that when she's ready to give herself to a man, that she's ready? How are we going to, how are we going to be a part of her life? And look at what it says, verse 9. If she's a virgin like a wall... 
if she's already guarded herself, if she's already protected herself, if she's built a wall around herself, we're going to celebrate. Man, true love waits is a big deal. And let me tell you what, Tyler, for you guys, it's, it's something to celebrate. It's truly something to celebrate. Um, it says, we will protect her with a silver tower. We'll congratulate her. But look what it says, continued on. But if she's promiscuous like a swinging door, we will block her door with a cedar bar. In other words, if, if she's here and she's saying, I'm available, I want to be sexually active, I'm not really concerned about protecting myself, I want to I go out and I want to experience the freedoms, what they're saying is, I'm going to do everything that I can to try to protect her because I understand the value of being, of being faithful. I mean, how many people say, um, I want to get married one, one day, but until that time, I want, to, I want to let my life be open like a swinging door, and I want to be as promiscuous as possible. And if that's the way you choose, what their guys are coming back and saying is this, what we're going to do is we're going to build a wall around you because we want to protect you, we want to guard you, because this is an extremely important time in your life since... Since you're struggling in this area of life, we're going to take steps to guard you. She had a choice. And this is what I know, and you know this. The scars of sexual promiscuity, the scars of sin are not always noticeable, are they? Because you can dress it up. And you can't always see it. But the scars are still there. And the pains are still there. The consequences are still there. They're not always noticeable. But when we choose to live as God, not as God intended us to live, there are always consequences. And nobody may never ever know the pain that you're hiding, but it's there. But this girl has a choice. And look at what happens. She says in verse 10, I was a virgin like a wall. Now my breasts are like towers. In other words, I was faithful. I was young then. But now I'm mature. I'm mature. And she goes on to say, When my lover looks at me, he is delighted in what he sees. And one translation of this phrase, it says this, Brings him contentment or brings him peace. Because when I showed up that day for my marriage, he knew that I had saved myself for him. Can you imagine to be able to save yourself? Can you imagine walking into that situation to know that I loved you, but ever before I knew you, I loved you enough to guard myself from the temptations that would surround me, and I would prepare myself for that wedding day. And guys, listen, this is an attitude. This isn't just old-fashioned. It's God's way. Some of you are sitting here going, but there's no sense in me hearing this because I've already blown it. So I'm just sort of starting to tune you out right now. Let me just say this. There's a word to be spoken to you at the end today. But until that time, I want to give you three things that I think are really important. And you might want to write these down. As you prepare, as you prepare um, for the I do, I want to give you three commitments that I think are really important. And you might want to write these down. Number one, I want to desire for you to commit to a season of preparation. you got to make a choice now how you're going to live prior to saying, I do. Because life is all about preparation, isn't it? 
It's all about preparation. We send our kids to school. The government wants you to go to school. They want you to learn because somewhere down along the line, they want you to learn so that you can pay taxes. You can get a job so that you can turn right around and pay taxes. That's why the government, that's why education is so important. Us as parents, we want you to, have a, we want you to get a job because one day we want you to leave the nest. And we, want, we don't want to have to pay your bills the rest of our life. One day we want you to be able to earn your own living. And so what we do in the process of that is, is we, will, we will help you with your schoolwork and we will help you learn how to brush your teeth and make your bed and put the dishes away and clean up after yourself. Because we know that those things will benefit you the rest of your life. And we will do all this stuff that we think is so critical, yet we leave out one of the most important critical parts in the growing up process. Um, on one hand, we'll tell our kids this, you got to work hard so that you can play later. Are you with me? And then in the area of relationships, we'll say this, play hard now because once you say I do, it's all over with. Anybody ever heard that? Play now, baby, because once you say I do, it's all over with. It's finished. It's a season of preparation. And let me say this about preparation. Regardless of what stage of life we're in, every one of us are laying a foundation. And this is what we know what the Scripture tells us, that there's no other foundation that is laid than that which is Jesus Christ, correct? And as parents, that should be the first and foremost thing that we do inside the life. How do I coach my child in that area, in that direction, so that they come to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that relationship will affect everything else that takes place. Not just coming to church on Sunday morning. Not just putting them in an activity, uh, a program. Um, but that doesn't change. But it's, it's them coming to a place that they accept Christ. Abby and I were having a conversation the other night, and we were talking, and this is just so real. I mean, <clears throat> I want to be involved in the life of my child because I understand all the mistakes that I made, and I know all the things that I didn't talk about, and I didn't feel like I had anybody that I could talk to about. And we were talking about what would it be like, what, and I asked her the question, what do you think a young man who desires to follow Christ is looking for in a young lady? And we were talking about some of those characteristics. And I said, okay, what are some of the characteristics of a young man that you feel like you should be looking for as a Christian young lady? And then what we did is we took time and we prayed. We spent some time praying for that young man that, that God is preparing, that, 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 that there would be a young man out there that would be willing enough to, to believe that the person that he desired to have down the line one day, that he desired to marry, that he would set aside his life right now and deem it important for preparation, just like you did, Tyler. See, there's, there's one thing about walking a daughter down an aisle and this is the significance of it. As a father, when you walk that daughter down the aisle in that wedding, this is what you're saying to that young man. I want you to know, well, let's just, this is what you're saying to your daughter. I want you to know that I've scouted and I've looked, and I believe that this young man that you're going to marry is the young man that God would have you to marry. I believe that this young man is a man of character. I believe that this young man is a man that has work ethic, and he will take care of you and your needs. I believe that this young man is a man, is a young man that loves the Lord, and he will lead you and your family in the right direction. That's what a father says when he's walking her down the aisle, not just, I'm getting rid of you so I don't have to pay your bills anymore. But he's also making a statement to the young girl, uh, to the young man. He's saying that I want you to know that I have done everything that possible 
to guard her and to protect her and to raise her in an environment so that as I present her to you, I'm presenting her to you as a pure and clean bride. That I've done everything as a father. I've accepted the responsibility. And now I give her over to you and I present her to you as a pure and clean bride. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a lot to live up. That's the, that's the symbolism. That's the symbolism. And I talked, and as we talked, um, as, we, as Abby and I sit down and, and, and we talked about it, it's not so much about finding the right person as it is being the right person. Paul said in his letter to the Corinthian believers, he said, I want to be transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. And during this season in my life, this time of preparation, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do everything I can to try to get as close to God because I want to be shaped and molded by him. See, in Jesus' life, um, up to age 30, there's a season, there's a time that we don't have really anything, we don't know anything about Jesus in his life except what Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says. It says that he grew. And you know how he grew? The Bible says that he grew in wisdom and he grew in stature and he grew in favor with God and favor with man, that he guarded his mind. And stature doesn't necessarily mean to grow up bigger. It means to grow up in character. And so this time, this season that you're in is a time of growing up mind, guarding your mind, a time of, of growing up in character and also finding favor with God and favor with man. Growing up. It's a natural process. The second thing is a commitment to purity. After being in, in student ministry for so long, there was always this question that would come up. And you know what that question was? How far is too far? Anybody ever ask that question? Don't raise your hand. How far is too far? Why do you think we asked a question like that? We want to know how far can I go and still be legal? What's the... What's the uh, the speed limit today is, is 65 miles an hour, depending on where you are. Some of us will say, well, I can drive till 75 because they'll give you at least 10 miles over so we can go over the speed limit. Are you with me? Over the speed limit. Some of us just want to know, how far can I go and still go to heaven? How far can I go and still be legal. A commitment to purity isn't just how close we get to the line, but a purity is how far can I stay away from the line and how can I set up boundaries in my life that will protect me. I'm just going to be honest, guys. There's a lot of temptations that you teenagers have that I didn't have growing up. I had enough growing up, but you guys are bombarded with teenagers, and you've got to find some type of a way under the leadership and help of your parents and also the church body to set up ways that you can guard yourself. I mean, there's so much stuff. I've never heard a person say to me, I wish I would have been more promiscuous when I was growing up. I wish I would have given myself away more when I was growing up. I wish I would have looked at more pornography when I was growing up. I've never heard a person say that. Because Satan wants to deceive us and he wants to take us, he wants to take us away. He wants to destroy us. And this is what we say about sin all the time. Sin, sin will take us farther than we want to go. It'll make us stay longer than we want to stay. And it'll make us pay more than we want to pay. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So how do you put up some boundaries in your life now that will help you stay pure? I love what Job said. He says, listen, I want to make a covenant with my eyes, not just to, not just to lust, even to lust on a young woman. And he goes on to verse 4 to say, doesn't he, being the Lord, see everything that I do? Doesn't he understand and see every step that I make? 
See, we think we might hide from God, but listen, you don't hide from God. He sees everything. And if you're struggling with stuff on the internet, or if you're struggling with something on a phone, um, or whatever device it may be, if you're dealing with pornography, if you're dealing with dating relationships that are, that are not where they need to be, listen, make it known. I had a, teen, a couple of teenagers come to us years ago, and they, they were struggling with sex before marriage. They were being tempted. They were putting themselves in some bad situations. And thankfully, they, they thought enough of us. They came in down and, and sat down and said, Pastor Sidney, Miss Meredith, what can we do? This is what we're struggling with. And I thought, I can't believe you're coming to me and, asked, and telling me that. I would have never done that. There was, I, I, didn't, I didn't have that type of an adult. For, I thought, wow. And I said, okay. I said, I'm going to tell you what you can do. I'm not going to necessarily tell you what I did or what I would, have, would do. But I can tell you what you can do to stop it. Tell your parents. They looked at me and said, you've got to be kidding. I said, no. I said, you wanted to know how to establish a boundary. That'll help you establish a boundary really quickly. Tell your parents what's going on, and then make sure that you're not left in, alone in, in that type of environment. That completely, that completely stops it, if you're serious about it. Some of you might need to be able to, to, to have accountability on the Internet. You might need to say, Mom and Dad, I, I'm struggling with this. I need some accountability. Some of you parents might need to go to your children and say, I need some accountability in this area. It's a struggle. But what we remember, this is what we're saying. How do I look ahead and how do I prepare myself so that my focus won't be on that guy or girl? But how can my focus be on Jesus first? That it's not about finding the right person, but it's about being the right purpose person. How do I live with a season of preparation, a time of commitment to purity, but also a covenant pursuit? I want to use that verse that you used, Tyler, because it's a great verse. This is what it says in Timothy uh, 2.22, 2 Timothy. He says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And after my relationship with the Lord and the relation, my relationship with my future spouse becomes what's most important. Because I think that's the desires of every person in here. If you're not married, I think there's that, that heart's desire to be married, to be connected. And after my relationship with the Lord, I will focus on a covenant pursuit and I will live. Because when that time comes, I will be ready. I'll be ready and willing to enter into a covenant relationship that's not about me, it's not about my, but it's about the other person. At that time, I'll be willing to give up the right of priority. I'll be willing to give up the right of ownership. I'll be ready to give up the right of privacy. That I'll assume the responsibility of loving unconditionally, and I will assume the responsibility and pick up the responsibility of what it's like to honor and respect, and I will submit myself to my spouse as unto the Lord. I don't want to tell you the number of people that I've sat with over the years that looks back, and they'll say this, Man, Pastor Sidney, love was blind because I, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't have a clue about the decision that I was making. I didn't have a clue of what was taking place. And this is what I know, that every one of us are a step away from stupid. These guys that are deer hunting right now, they live for the rut. Isn't that right, guys? You live for the rut. When that deer's in the rut, you know that that old big buck that's been hiding out will do some awful stupid things. Turkey hunting in the spring. That old big old gobbler's a really tough guy until all of a sudden he hears that hen begin to chirping. I've had them come around the corner and slide, they were so excited. <laughs> but when we're looking for love, 
it's amazing the places that we will go and the mistakes that we'll make. And I've seen a lot of people do some pretty dumb stuff over the years. I'm not a stick in the mud, but this is what I, I believe. And I may think I've lost my mind. But how do you live in such a way that maybe you even make a commitment to say, I'm not even going to be left alone in a situation with a person of the opposite sex till that time that I say I do? If you want God's, if you want to do things the world's way, you're going to get the world's results. If you want to do things God's way, you'll get, you'll get God's results. But how do I live in such a way that maybe I can have the blessings of the Lord? Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 6. Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Do not touch the filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. Because we have these promises. And what are the promises? That if we do things God's way, there will be peace. If we do things God's way, there will be contentment. If we do things God's way, there will be rest. And aren't those some things that you desire in your life? He goes on to say, Dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. See, the Bible says the way to God isn't a wide road, but it's a narrow road that comes through Jesus Christ. But what if you're here today and you've blown it? What if you're here today and you've stepped over the line? What if you're here today and you've not guarded yourself? What do you do? See, this is the time that what Satan does is he... He wants to throw all your mistakes that you've made in the past. He wants to throw your sins of the past, and he wants to throw them in your face. And he says, I want you to hold on to those because I want you to believe that you're worthless, and we know that's a lie. That's a lie from the pits of hell. And I love it what Titus chapter 3 says. It says, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, and this is in the message translation, by the way, dupes of sin ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hating and hating back, but when God, and man, I want you to think about that, write it down, but when God, because this is a huge thing, but when God, our kind and loving Savior God stepped in, he saved us from all of that, it was all of his doing, and we had nothing to do with it, he gave us a good bath, and we came out a new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus Christ poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with Him and He's given us back our lives. And there is more to come in eternity of life. And this is where I was and this is what took place. And these are the mistakes and the sins that I committed. But God. But God. Man, here it was that God knew exactly what would take place. He knew exactly what would go on. He knew exactly what you would do. Yet, but God. Even to the point of knowing that you might not return and you might not love Him and you might not obey Him and you may not want to live for Him, but God. Those are huge words, but God. God's did everything that He knew He could do. He's put it all on the line, but God. He's done everything that he needed to do. The only thing we have to do is respond. But God. So how do I respond? When I've blown it, when I've messed up, when I've not been committed to this, and when I've not lived for the Lord, how should I respond when mistakes have been made? Three things quickly. Number one, confess your sins. Man, call it what it really is. 
Confess your sins. Acknowledge your sins. Just don't say, I'm sorry, I've messed up, and continue walking the same way. But confession is acknowledging your sin and realizing that our sin separates us from a loving God who desires to have a relationship with us. Sin isn't a problem. Sin is sin. Sexual immorality isn't a mistake. It's sin. Lying is sin. Gossip is sin. The viewing of pornography is sin. Gluttony is a sin. And sin, what it does, it destroys us in our fellowship with God as well as our fellowship with one another. And the Bible says that if we'll come to Him and we'll call it what it is and we'll acknowledge it, that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to get rid of it. Isn't that unbelievable? But first of all, you've got to be willing to acknowledge it, to make it known, to call it what it is, not say, oh, I made a mistake. It's sin. And it separates us. The second thing is to repent fully. Man, there's no way that you can know Jesus and no change and not no change. Because if you know Jesus, the sealing of the Holy Spirit on our lives is that we're, not, we're different. We're changed. Our life is headed in a different direction. And all of a sudden, something begins to happen. But there are some of us that sit and we say we've raised a hand, we've prayed a prayer, we've done something that told, somebody told us to do, yet there's never been repentance in our life. There's never been a change. And what a change is, it's a moving in the different direction. It is realizing you're headed this way and all of a sudden you turn, you repent, and you head in the opposite direction. Repent Fully. And if you're a teenager here today and you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing, you're viewing some stuff that you shouldn't be viewing... Repent. End it. Stop it. If you're here today as a single adult and you're hanging out in some places you shouldn't be hanging out in, stop it. Repent. Turn. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. And when you do things the world's way, what kind of results do you get? The world's results. You might be a married man or a married woman here today and you go, well, that really doesn't apply to me. But listen, there's some emails or there's some texts or there's some phone calls or there's some, there's some meetings that have been taking place that you know that it is leading your heart down a direction it shouldn't go. Stop it. Repent. Don't ignore it. Don't pass it off because you know exactly what's going on. Call it what it is and move in the opposite direction. The Bible uses a good word when it talks about sexual temptation. You know what it is? Flee. Run. Hightail it out of town. The third commitment is this, to commit wholeheartedly. Years ago, there was a song called, there's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to do it. You know, it's one thing to call ourselves and commit to be a follower of Christ. is another thing to live in such a way. So many times we want to stand with one foot in the world and one foot uh, in God. It's tough, guys. So many times we in the church want to tell you that following Christ is all about these things that you should be doing when I think what we need to be doing is telling you all the things that Christ did for you. So I'm calling us out, all of us that are here today, that are single. There's something in this whole conversation, I promise you, that has affected your life, that you've heard. If you'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, what does it look like? A commitment. To understand that God has a bigger plan for you than you've got for yourself. But what you've got to do to experience God's bigger plan is you've got to be able to lay aside your plan. You've got to be able to lay aside your agenda to say inside of that covenant relationship with God that you're more important than I am. That you're the number one priority. That it's not about me, but it's about you, God. And that there's nothing in my life that's hidden because you see everything. And I'm willing to pick up and assume the responsibilities of that relationship. 
The biggest decision we ever make in our life is our decision to accept Christ. But the next biggest decision I think that we ever make in our life is this, the person that we pursue to spend the rest of our life with. That's huge. And my question is, how are you living at this season right now as you prepare for that time down the line? Would you bow your heads with me today? First of all, I want to, I just want to, I want to acknowledge that um, there are teenagers here and there are single adults that are here for whatever the reason. And my challenge to you today is this. I'm challenging you to commit to a time of preparation, to commit to a time of purity, and to commit as you pursue a covenant relationship with a spouse. And if that's you today and you desire to take up that challenge, Man, I just want to challenge you right now where you are just to talk to the Lord in this moment of silence, to say, God, that's me. That's what I want to do. I want to accept that challenge because one day I want to be able to stand before a future spouse and I want to tell them this is the decision that I've made. Just tell them that right now. And while those are maybe sharing that, there might be some of you here that says that I, I, would, I would like to be able to do that, but I've already done it, Pastor Sidney. I've already blown it. I've already blown it and I've already made the mistakes and I can't go back. And you're right, you can't go back and fix the past, but you can go before a holy God. But God did something that only he could do so that he could offer hope. See, Satan wants to remind you of all the junk in your past. This is what I know, but God came and sent his son and did something that only he could do so that you could live and have hope. And so if you're here today and you've blown it, you follow that same pattern, you confess, you repent, and you commit wholeheartedly today. Man, call it what it is. Call it out what you're struggling with right there between you and the Lord. Say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm dealing with. This is, this is really, this, is, this has just got me. It's got me in bondage. Confess it. Call it what it is. And understand that it's your sin that separates you from God. Make a decision right now uh, to repent, to turn. And if, and, if, and if there's some things that you're doing and this seems to be your pattern of life, what are some guardrails, what are some boundaries that you're going to set up in your life that are going to help you live and fulfill that challenge of being pure? Just go before the Lord and tell him. On those two decisions, this is really important. Teenagers, if, if, if you're here and you're making one of those decisions, I'm just... I'm challenging maybe to have a conversation with your parent today or somebody else, some significant person that, that you have faith or you, you, you trust. To share that, it's good to, it's good to make a commitment. It's another thing when we make that commitment public and we let somebody else know. So if you're there and you're making one of those commitments, I'm just challenging you to make that public today. Parents, listen, this is a great time to open up conversations with your children about, about what it's like to say before I, before I do to make a commitment. It's a great time for you to accept the challenge as a father to say, I want to do everything that I can to present my daughter as a bride. I want to do everything uh, I can to, to, to train up my son to be a young man of the Lord. But then there may be somebody here that, that has never made a decision to follow Christ. And we heard that scripture, there's no foundation laid than that which is Jesus Christ. It is the foundation, it is the, it is the, the, the firm foundation in which everything else grows. And if you've never made a decision to trust Christ, my, my question would be, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of all?
if you're here and you don't know Christ yet, you want to follow him, confess your sins, repent, commit to following. Tell him that. Just say, Father, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've sinned against you. And and Father, today I'm acknowledging that sin. But I want to repent and I want to to turn and I want there to be evidence of, of that turning in my life. I want to commit my whole life to you. And if that's you today, I want you to come see me. I want you to come and talk to me after the service. Father, there's lots of things, lots of things that we can just go on and talk about this subject, but I think we've drilled home the point that before I say I do is really important, just as important as when I say I do. Help us as a church to raise up children that will, that will, that will accept that challenge Father, help, help us as we, as we walk through this season of life together that we would encourage other families to participate in the process. Help us as families to assume the responsibility that we have to raise up the next generation of Christ followers and not just tell them about all the things that they don't need to do, but, Father, to walk alongside of them in this. Help us individually as families to assume the responsibility. Help us as a church to corporately assume the responsibility. Father, be with us and give us strength because this is what I know. When we choose to live as you've called us to live, there's always going to be pushback. And the reason there's going to be pushback is because the world doesn't like things being done God's way. And we know that because of the way they treated Jesus. And so when we have some students that choose to stand up and live God's way, they're going to have some pushback at school. And there's some people that's going to make fun of them. There's some people that are going to laugh at them. And there's some people that are going to, that are going to uh, ridicule them. But God, I pray you'd, you'd strengthen them. Surround them with some other people that will encourage them in that walk. And Father, for those that are here that are adults, Father, I pray you'd strengthen us because we're willing to stand up for you in the workplace and in the business field and on the, on the football field or in the, in the, uh, in the, in the baseball f- arena. We're going to get some pushback because when we choose to live as you've called us to live, the world just doesn't like it. But this is what I do know. There are people that are looking for you. And so, Father, may we be the light that you've called us to be. And in the midst of our mistakes, Father, may we not see ourselves as the judge because we're not. You, Father, have not put us in the position to be judge. We are not judges. Father, what we are is instruments of your peace, so allow us the opportunity to be that. Thank you, Father, for this day. I pray we leave here today with something that's significant that will help us see that you've got a bigger plan for us than what we've ever realized. But we've got to first of all lay aside our agendas. May we live in our relationships as you've called us to live and may you impress this upon our heart as we walk out these doors today. In Jesus' name, amen.